0: The OSS Cubed is back with over $14 million in guaranteed prize pools from September 24th to October 22nd. This massive tournament series features three $1 million guaranteed tournaments. The first takes place on October 15th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, featuring a half-price buy-in of just $265. Just one week later, on October 22nd, we'll have two million-dollar tourneys the same day. One with a $540 buy-in and the Boss Main Event with a $2,100 buy-in. AmericasCardRoom.com
1: Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 151 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from AmericasCardroom.com, simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the ads or banners on the OneOuter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com groups OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on the OneOuter.com website and via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, then please email questions at OneOuter.com or you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. Alex, um, just before we start, I should pre-record that intro because I said a couple of words there that sounded like I was having a stroke. <laughs> um, I, like, my tongue was like the other side. I was on some of the episodes and some like that. But anyway, that's by the by. Um, mistakes early in this episode. Alex, it's Thursday evening, Scotland. Thursday ten? I don't know twelve afternoon where you are. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh,
2: it is afternoon here. Yeah. Hello, people of Earth. It is good to speak with you again.
1: Yeah. And um, I was asking Alex before we came on if there's anything, you know, he wants to bring up or talk about. And he said, no, quite succinctly. But then I asked him a question. He said, oh, that'd be a good topic for the podcast. So, Alex, before we came on and hit the record button, I was talking to you about reading one of your blogs or Facebook posts, as I do weekly. You know, I'm still a big fan. And um, I was reading the one about your fitness escapades recently you've taken on a personal trainer and stuff and i'm fighting the the battle of the bulge and actually consistently for the last few months i early part of this year i actually made a, a bit of an effort to to get some weight off and just been doing a lot of walking and eating a little bit better still still not great etc but i saw like the last few weeks built up to a little bit of running and i normally walk a certain way in like about an hour and the last 20 minutes i've stepped up to like running a little bit again and stuff And I was telling Alex, fitness wise, I used to play a lot of indoor football, so I was actually amazed how well I was still running, breathing wise. Like, I wasn't totally gasping, I I was fine, sort of lung capacity wise. But the next day and the day after, really felt it in my lower back. And then I read the article that you were talking about, and it was about how, you know, immobile people like us sitting working at desks and hunched over computers for years and years and years now, what it does to our back. And I asked Alex um, what his personal trainer, obviously someone more qualified than me and Alex to tell anyone about it, and what he was recommending for that. And Alex made a good point. It'd be quite a good thing to talk about because everyone listening to this podcast is, if I was betting, is probably hunched over computers and uh, smartphones like 99% of the population now. So... Alex, if you could answer my question for everyone else as well, that, that, that would be great.
2: Sure. Um, I guess it would be a little difficult to communicate an entire training regimen over a podcast, but a lot of the things we worked on were core exercises. Mm. And when he was having me do that, I did notice it felt as if my back was unlocking all these different muscles that have been really cramped up and at the beginning the stretching regimen is really good so uh, I, I guess he calls them T's and Y's and Superman's and a lot of stuff that really helps your back I did a number of these before when I lived in Costa Rica but I didn't do the core exercises on top of it I didn't know once you get paying attention to your core strength, I notice you just end up walking straighter anyway, and your back muscles as well. You get used to having your core tight, back straight, uh, as you'll hear any tra- tra- trainer say a million times in a row, and it didn't happen. It's still not done, but it, it, it I didn't start seeing results overnight. It was, I guess I'm a month in and at least three times a week, uh, and I do get supplemental training on the weekends, although that's more just cardiovascular. Some of it comes in uh, to the core strength stuff, but the new, when I was younger, uh, my father fought golden gloves. He, we had a gym in our garage, you know, very bare bones, Double end bag, speed bag, heavy bag, jump ropes, medicine ball. And most of the fitness I did was push-ups, sit-ups, road work, running. And I find that a lot of it is I've been doing wrong my whole life. Uh, The way I've been running Today, I was discussing with uh, my trainer, Frank, uh, how people run. I realized I was doing it wrong my whole life. Those really big shoes with the cushions, they allow you to put as much duress as you'd like to put on your heels, and that's what causes the shin splints. That's what causes the back problems, whereas if you were to make yourself run barefoot for a time, you'd feel how you roll differently. And in his words, not mine, if you can hear yourself running on the treadmill, you're probably running incorrectly. And what I really like the personal trainer for uh, working with a personal trainer is form technique, because there's so many little things in physical training that if you're off by a slight amount, it's going to add up to a lot of pain Mm. coming down in a few weeks. And you experience that with really intense exercise with, uh, football, uh, with soccer, which is, yeah, you moved really quick, but then you realize you're not 23 anymore, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I, I was asking myself, oh, are you really going to pay for a personal trainer right now? Uh, not, not to get into too many details, but financial situation is not, as most people's isn't, uh, financial situation isn't fantastic after the divorce and I'd rather just save money and put it away. And I'm starting to do that, starting to kind to get ahead and feel secure again. And I was thinking, Oh, are you really going to spend this much money on a Manhattan physical trainer, uh, in personal trainer and, uh, If anything, it's helping me make more money because you just have so much more energy throughout the day when your body is not aching constantly and it's worth every cent. I can't believe how much better I feel just after a month. The dieting and exercise did certainly help, but there's only so far that uh, running can get you. Uh, Just even... By the way, we're not pumping huge iron. Uh, Eventually, he's gotten me up to bigger weights in certain categories that surprised me. But a lot of it at the beginning is just technique and doing... You can do many of these exercises with no weight, and it's still going to put stress on your body and make you more aware of your body. And I'm really wondering how I ever won at poker before this because... I can feel the difference now when I go to my old posture at my, well, I'm doing it right now. I'm leaning in a little bit more than I should to the microphone, and my whole body is aching like it used to before. But the difference is when I go into, you know, back straight, your core tight, I, it, you, feel, you feel a lot better. You just feel like, oh, this is how my body's supposed to go. And when you're walking, you walk a little taller, uh, your gait is a little bit more natural, and you feel better, you feel better about yourself, whereas before I was just constantly in pain. And it's such a lull, it's like when a washing machine is running in the background, eventually you don't even notice it, Mm -hmm. but then once the washing machine stops, you, you go, oh, it's really nice how quiet it is here. You, you didn't notice before how much it was bothering you. It I feel like I've been going like that since I was 25. Yeah. And it probably contributed to my overall frustration. And everybody's looking for shortcuts when it comes to health. But I, I was thinking about this this morning. I guess the beauty of it is if... Uh, it, you can't buy physical fitness. If Ben Affleck doesn't want to be a fat piece of crap, he has to wake up in the morning and work out just like all of us. He, he can't purchase it. Uh, it. Pretty much any amount of money you spend on your body is going to be, as long as it's reasonable and your trainer actually has their degree and clearly cares about your technique quite a bit, during the session and is not on their smartphone the entire time it's worth the money it, it ends up being worth the money it's a, i'm very very surprised at how rapidly i've been feeling better and how much more energetic and hopeful and optimistic i am now yeah yeah well we'll try and well, kick I that
1: out of you that, this episode yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm joking yeah um, no, the, the thing is with poker as well that people forget is I remember when I first started playing poker um, 10 years ago and I was well, 2007, um, I remember I was so fit in 2007, like playing, mm-hmm. foo- playing football and playing indoor football three, four times a week, going to the gym, running and really like, you know, I'm 50% heavier than I was then, which is crazy, you know, crazy. As- and um, it the whole thing is people forget just breathe you breathe better when you're rested you know and, and stuff like that and that helps your decision making etc you know if you're playing these long tournaments even online sitting in the house um i remember a few months ago playing and feeling like i don't know like you're breathing but you know you're more susceptible to like adrenaline spikes and things like that and your your breathing can be a little bit you're more aware of it or something you know like that in certain Mm -hmm. situations when you're you've got big decisions or you're going deep etc whereas when you are a bit healthier and fitter I think all that sort of adds up and like you say it's that's going to make you better forget even poker just make clearer logical decisions if you're it's all that mind body connection they've been saying it for thousands of years I mean what makes us think we're any different you know Mm
2: hmm I I also well I, I just wonder how we expect to win at poker if our mind is not functioning at full capacity and I frankly feel like my frustration levels were just skyrocketing back when I wasn't taking care of myself and now you know things come up every day mm-hmm. uh, I They come up every day, but if you're working out at all, we all know this, you're going to handle the stress much better. The other thing that I find really interesting is mindfulness. Uh, I'm not really a big meditation guy. I'm not a big Zen guy. Up until very recently, I was very much American meat and potatoes, but I think there's something to, one, not i I eat a lot more fish than I eat anything. I don't eat red meat hardly ever. I don't eat uh, I don't eat meat pretty much at all. I just eat fish and veggies and uh, uh, nuts, beans, stuff like that. and that that does a lot for your mood. and another thing is just taking time uh, to be mindful If you think about it, If you're not really paying attention to what's around you, it's like watching a movie you really enjoy with sunglasses on in a dark movie theater. You're not paying attention. So you can do things like slow down your breathing. You can listen uh, to the sounds around you. That's my favorite. I'm not really sure why. I can remember distinctly how the one room I meditated in in Costa Rica sounded, uh, and it was very unearthly because I could hear every level of my neighborhood. I could pick out the specific dogs and uh, things like that, neighbors talking. And you really get to feel an area too. Uh, I can remember the areas where I did this much more, trying to listen, trying to hear everything as if you were a conductor for a symphony orchestra. And also just paying attention to small details, stopping and observing five things. And there's my uh, there's my TV turning off. Hold on a second, if you guys that, can hear that. Some,
1: that's some Jedi mind trick there.
2: <laughs> yeah, I turned it off with my head. I, get, I guess maybe, I don't know why it reads out all the menu titles, but, well, I can't find the remote, so you guys... Once again, Barry, we have achieved our level of the worst podcast ever. Yeah, I
1: (laughs) I thought your room was, like, slightly bigger than your TV. You should be able to find the remote somewhere.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Are you not sleeping on the remote? (laughs) Uh, I can see. Hey, it's on the other side of the room, so it's an entire nine feet away. I don't (laughs) know if you can grab it. Yeah, yeah. But mindfulness, uh, I'm reading this book right now called The Confidence Gap. I've just got and visions it's, uh,
1: of you doing this podcast with, like, s- the splits suspended, like, one foot on one side of the wall and the other foot on the other <laughs> side. <of>
2: the- <laughs> <Like> Spider-Man, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, sorry, yeah, i uh, you go.
2: <laughs> okay, okay. Let's do four more rounds on how small my $1,000 apartment is in Newark, New Jersey. <laughs> but let's, let's just keep going with this. Uh, um Uh, There's a great book about this called The Confidence Gap. Uh, I'm not really a big fan of the title. I liked his other book, The Happiness Trap, much more Uh, as far as branding, I guess. I, I liked how he put it in the idea of it's a trap and if you just are trying to be happy constantly, but... The, the Confidence Gap talks about mindfulness and slowing things down. And another really interesting note I found was he described that most people judge themselves based on their achievements, and he says this is a really bad way of conducting your affairs because if you think about it, you only, you only get to the top of the mountain for five, ten minutes when you're summoning Everest. The rest of the time is drudge work. Whereas if you live by your values, which is, I'm going to become a better person through mountain climbing. I'm going to push myself through mountain climbing or whatever it may be. Uh, I think you'll do much better. And if we think about it, people who live by their values have really entered our culture in quite a positive way. Nelson Mandela or hold on a second. Martin Luther King sought complete equality between the races. It, they, we were nowhere near that when he passed, but because he lived by his values in that, we remember him. And, yeah, just trying to think of... I've decided my central value over the last few days is making other people happy, and that actually does help you. Uh, like when somebody's doing something ridiculous, you remember your key value which is I'm trying to make this person happy there's I'm trying to make other people happy and enjoy their lives there's no way I can do that for this person so my work is done here and you move on as opposed to thinking about yourself like why is this person doing to me that's a great way to get angry really quickly Mm. (coughs) excuse me
1: well I actually read something the other day that doing something for other people or making them happy is better than antidepressants like it was it was recently or as effective as antidepressants for some forms of depression that people are suffering and alleviating mood oh. in, in an instant and um it really is weird because at the start of this year i mean i experienced my own problem i always used to think you know just you operate a certain way like you say for years and years and you don't know what it is and then all of a sudden something happens in your life whether it was your fault or someone else's or whatever and it triggers you to sort of like look a little bit more inside like yourself and look at your own mind and the way you do things and the way you work and then you realize that actual your normality that you've been living is something like you know it's like mental health problems through the roof and it was world mental health day the other day and I remember reading things about anxiety and thinking, holy shit! Like I think that's I never thought I would never label it anxiety. I was just like, that's the way I think and that's the way I work. And because I'd never, I you know, I've been happy and everybody's uh, susceptible to periods in the blues and down downswings in moods and things like that. But when you sort of start exploring your own mental health and the way you make decisions and process things and deal with things um it's quite interesting to sort of do that and i would say for for me uh touching on the mindfulness that's that's that was huge for me for relaxing the mind um when you're over and over say you're like focusing on something over and over again and it's like those what is it it's like that monkey jumping around your head that you can't catch and you just keep chasing Uh it or whatever and that sort of and then you you get it away and then bang it's back again and you you know you sort of what you're doing is and it was all that fight or flight response and stuff mindfulness Mm -hmm. whether it's transcendental meditation which is either like internally a sound or a word just repeating it over and over and over again to sort of calm the mind down and silence things or like alex said focusing on your surroundings or the feelings in your fingertips and your feet etc and the sounds i really found that as a, a huge help and I know some people out there need, they need to go down the medication route and they need to go down uh, things because there's actual brain chemistry and, you know, it's a disease and, you know, Mm. real clinical depression. I'm not saying you can just mindfulness. I think it can help it, but I do think, you know, you need to seek help and a a doctor would obviously prescribe you the, the correct medication for things like that. But, like, Mm. friends of mine that have came to me with, like, huge problems are, like, suicidal friends and, um, Mm. you know, close friends as well and real problems with their life. It's like me, when I told them about my experiences a while back and stuff and then talking to them about it, me just talking to them and helping them, speak about that, made me, in a selfish way or whatever, it made me feel better and it makes them feel better, you know? So if you can sort of talk to someone and help someone it really does and i remember being young i said this to my fiance the other day i you know i remember listening to tony robbins audio cds right when i was like 17 18 alex and all i was focused on was making money and trying to make money so like mm-hmm. day one to be whatever and also with my body is so i i'd sort of in my early 20s i really that's when i really started getting fit and, and running and i you know i i did really well and then let it all go again <coughs> But what happened was is I used to genuinely, I could remember my mindset at the time. As soon as these, whether it was Tony Robbins or any of these self-help gurus or books I'd read or audio tapes, as soon as they started talking about things like gratitude and be grateful and do something for other people and that, I swear, I'm not ashamed to admit I would go, oh, fuck off, you know like no, that that sh- i i would just never understand that better i was like you know how to work on these relationships and things i was like cuz i was always a very popular confident boy you know i was never i never needed the like i was never frightened to chat to girls or anything like that so as soon as these things came up like um sort of as it's called uh, emotional intelligence you know it's, as soon as that came up Like, be grateful, do things for others, charity work. I would genuinely go, I'm not reading that bit or fast forward that bit. I just Mm -hmm. wanted to know about compound interest and how you make the money and investing and whatever. And as you get older, and I I don't even think it's as you get older in terms of age, I think as you get experience older, in terms of like you can experience marriage and divorce, like Alex has before you're 30. There's guys younger that have done it, 22, 23, whatever. So I just Mm -hmm. think... I don't mean... I mean, I'm 34. I'm still um, emotionally immature compared to some 25-year-olds that have been through deaths of close family members, etc. So it's not an age thing. It's an experience thing. But I think as you have these real-life experiences that really put things in perspective and make you realise all the stuff that you considered in the past, fuddy-duddy, like fuzzy rubbish, like self-help, like relationships, and doing things for other people, and gratitude, etc., I think it really starts to hit home. And whether it's just a way that puts you in a state to perform better or whatever, or whether it is some cosmic karma thing, I genuinely, hand on heart, believe that if you're from a place, if you be grateful for what you've got and your lot in life, and you go out and try and help people, I do think it comes back to you. Whether it's because oh, yes, you're more that's positive that's in doing it or whatever it is, it works. I, I, And I never thought I'd say that. As I say, I would go... Come on, you know, like all this nonsense. Like, let's get to the the money making or the meat. And in a weird way, it's like things like that. It's like what Alex says: spending money on your body actually comes back tenfold in terms of if you're performing better, energy, and because that's the thing. As you get older, it's really an energy problem.
2: Like yeah. When you were I a
1: kid, like I look at my nephew, seven years old. You go out with him, he does not stop, he's bouncing off walls, (laughs) he's at a park running and he's back, he's on his iPad, he's doing this, he's back out again. He would go right out again and you're going, if you could bottle that energy now and put it into things like, you know, playing huge poker sessions or writing your book or your scripts or anything you wanted to do or side projects. I mean, it really is an energy issue. Mm -hmm. So, uh, no, I think it's really interesting, and I am a big believer in mindfulness. So, um, yeah, I think anyone should uh, check that out. Not even if you've got problems, like everyone does, but just as a way of looking into it and being aware of that tool, and on any level, I think it can help big time, you know?
2: And to your point, well, it... (laughs) I feel like I want to get to the listeners' questions, but you just touched on something that's really important to me as far as helping other people. Well, one thing... Sorry, I'm kind of at a loss for words because this is something I've been thinking about so much lately and it's so strange that you brought up the science behind it that helping other people makes you happier. My divorce was one of the best things that ever happened to me because, like you said, you go through a tough time and you start really analyzing how you process information around you, how you approach life, and you realize some of the maladies that you've forced upon yourself, and I was neglecting my body, I was... Frustrated constantly and I was focusing on the wrong things when I was younger, which was money. I wanted money. I wanted success. Uh, I told myself it was for my family. I do sincerely believe it was for my family, but uh, it was one of those things like money will make my family good where that's not really how it works. There's very poor families that are very happy and there's rich families that are not. And my value system was all messed up, which was once you get money, you will have, you'll have the house, you'll have the savings, you'll have the kids, and everybody lives happily ever after. But what about the years in that time? Is that fair to your spouse uh, just to be waiting for you to be present? Mm. And once I went through uh, the divorce, which was large part my fault, and i had to come to terms with that i found myself unable to really focus at the poker table but i could focus with my students and when i was helping my students i felt much much better because talking to someone and hearing the lights go on the light bulb go on and oh if i do that this will happen in poker that's it's really exciting and I just decided, well, I did Live Poker 101, which was ridiculous. That was a 25-hour lesson course. So it was essentially 25 hours of classes for, I let some people in for 400 bucks or something like that, and just, (laughs) I was selling all the videos for 200 bucks uh, recently. And it wasn't really about the money. It was about all of us meeting every Saturday just to talk cards. Mm -hmm. And... When we were talking cards, I I wasn't sure who was learning more about life. That I mean, who was learning more, them about cards or me about life? Because I got to talk to all these professionals. There were multiple doctors in the group, and just a lot of people, a lot of people helping me work on myself. And then, uh, I ran into uh, some hard times. And there was a line of people waiting to help me because I'd helped them at some point or I'd tried to help them at some point and they uh, they loaned me the money to help me get back on my feet so I didn't have to mer- miss my first World Series. And um, yeah, like it, it, there was a lot of people there waiting for me to help me and now hopefully I can pay them back in some way. Uh, shape or form, I can do something for them. I'd like to think I've thought about poker much more deeply than most people, and I can help that way, and that's always pretty fun. But this was... One of the reasons I came to... My life value is to make others happy, to help others be happy. That is my goal. I can do it through poker because my training is in poker, but I would like to expand to other means, also, and I, I also, I, I play poker for fun, like poker, poker's a side quest in this RPG called Life, it's, uh, it's a side game, it's fun, but it's, uh, I like to teach people how to play the side quest well, but it's just a vehicle to help people, and the reason I believe that is, uh, I, I had all the things we think will make you happy, I had, and they didn't make me happy. Uh, I thought money would make me happy. I had hundreds... When I was 21 years old, I won $222,000 in one day in San Remo, Italia. And prior to that, I had Sunday Million final tables and uh, I chopped the 200 rebuy for 50000 I had money. I was miserable because <laughs> I had no more excuses. I couldn't blame my problems on other people. And everybody coming out of the woodwork to... You don't know who you can trust, right? It, because so many people come out of the woodwork asking for money and uh, it's actually quite a bit of stress because you, you're you trying to manage it and you don't know who around you can actually help you. Uh, they they say, okay, does, does power give you happiness? Well, I had a lot of power. I was the only 20-year-old I knew who could just travel anywhere on earth anytime they wanted. And uh, again, you become responsible for a lot of people. You become responso- responsible for your whole family because you're the only one who can do anything. I bet Bill Gates probably has a ton of stress because if he just sleeps on the job, he probably could have saved tens of thousands of people. And he probably knows that. So not, not saying that's a bad thing, but that's something that can weigh pretty heavy on you. So money, power doesn't do it. Uh, uh, I think people who are attractive have to deal with how can they really trust people either? Do, do, does the person really like them or do they want to... Women go through this all the time. Like, Can they really trust the person or does that guy just want to get with them? So all these things, uh, intelligence, people think will make them really happy, but... I know a lot of people who are far more... It seems very frustrating to them constantly.
1: You you, you cut off a little bit there, Alex. You just said you
2: know a lot of people who are far more... I know a lot of people who are far more intelligent than I am. They're just not that happy because there's certain things... They're usually intelligent in one thing, really, really intelligent, and then they have... To get that mastery, they have given up other portions of their life. Mm -hmm. So being... All these things we think are going to make you so so happy, like they don't actually do anything for you. And yeah, the, then I started looking into the Abrahamic religions and Judaism, uh, Christianity, Islam. Actually, is pretty big on charity. Uh, it's one of the things they have to practice. The, these books are they're thousands of years old, and. Science confirms these people had it right, (laughs) that if you help others in this specific form, like, it doesn't, uh, let's not get into the theology or whatever, but in this specific format, they say, the honesty, you know, good relations, and treating others with respect and charity, that's what's going to make a lasting life. And like you said, there's scientific, there's a, There's scientific research now that that confirms that it can cure depression. So that was always really fascinating to me. I I think it's really healthy to, whatever you want to call it, God, the universe, just to be grateful for how much is out there, how lucky we are to be alive at this time, how much we get to experience, how how many things go right in a single day that we don't even acknowledge because it's so glaring when one thing goes wrong because it's so uncommon. And if we can do that right, like Tony Robbins says, just practicing gratitude, you're much happier. It seems like Tony Robbins is really happy because he does a ton of stuff with charity. It seems a lot of these people are really happy once they get into charity. Bill Gates was a nightmare before he got into his charity work. He's getting that... That fool's given away thirty billion dollars. He's doing pretty well. So, yeah. Yeah. sorry guys, to cut into the poker content. I know you want uh, angry soccer coach Mike Dick uh, uh, poker coach to come back, but uh, okay, we'll do it now. We'll do a little bit. Yeah, let's do the theatrics. Yeah, yeah let's bully people now. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> By the way, my, my boy Ami pointed out, people are asking questions that you've heard before because you have a lot of new listeners, and he makes a really good point. So sorry, guys, if you've asked a question and I've you know, slit your throat over the phone, but uh, it, this isn't how I am in private lessons. This is kind of something we do for fun. So, all yeah. right, football coach Alex Fitzgerald is here. Let's talk a little cards, people. Okay, well, in advance,
1: uh, Jimmy Winkler, who emailed in a couple of weeks ago, we're not going to get to his today because I wanted to do it justice and just read out. He's taking time to read, uh, write a big email about um, a story and a hand, so I wanted to read it verbatim. So we're going to leave that one until the next show. We're going to do these two questions today, and the first one is from Paul. Hi, my question is on a hand I played where I was into the money in an online tournament. I had a nice stack of sixty big blinds. The guy in the cutoff min raised open to ten K from the cutoff. I jammed with eight eight in small blind. Sorry, I jammed with eight eight in the small blind. Wait, he had a hundred, sixty big blinds. Yeah. Um, in the small blind. What is your had, major
2: malfunction, boy? I'm just kidding. Okay, <laughs> continue. Yeah.
1: So the guy. Uh, the guy in the cutoff raised to 10k. Blinds obviously two and five k, two point five and five k. And he jammed with eight eight in the small blind. Um, so the guy who opened had a hundred k behind, which was twenty big blinds at the time. Oh. This is why I decided to just jam. He ended up calling me with ace nine suited. But my point is, without being results oriented, I just really want to know. Do I need to do that here? Can I flat or even fold here? My thoughts were I didn't want to play eights out of position. Um, I would still have 40 big blinds left if he called and I lost. And if he folds, I've picked up the raisin in the middle. If he calls, then we could be ahead of his range, which we were. Any help would be great.
2: Thank you, Ralph, for your question. Paul, Paul. Unimportant. <laughs> I can't do it today. I'm in too good of a mood. I can't. I'm sorry. Okay, uh, Joey, the thing being here, we need... Okay, Paul, Paul, Paul. Okay, Paul, uh, whenever you tell me a hand like this, I need to know the big blind stack. If you just shoved from the small blind 60 big blinds and the big blind has 240, this is a colossal error. Because you do not need to be doing that. You could 3-bet very small to get... Well, you don't have to 3-bet that small. If he opened to 2x, you can just 3-bet to 7x. And presumably, the big blind is not going to play unless he has a pretty big hand. So, generally, uh, but if the 19 big blind stack decides to go with it, you have a hand that has significant equity. Um... Ugh, God, I kind of want to go off on all of you, but... It's... Let's let's assume we cover the big blank then. For, okay. I'll, I'll no, not... That See, the big, just... got, the big blank's got 20 big blanks as well. Do you guys have any idea... All right, pa- Paul, this is me talking to the... I assume you're new to poker, so this isn't directed at you, Paul. This is directed at everybody. Do you guys know how many big blinds pocket eights are supposed to make on average when the effective stacks, let's say effective stacks are 20, 25 big blinds? Do you know, Barry? No. One big blind per hundred, three big blind per hundred, five big blind per hundred. No clue, right? No. No, like no idea, right? No. Nope. How do you guys expect you're going to win? I was watching Major League Baseball last night. You think they don't know the success rate of every pitch in every zone versus every hitter? They're doing analysis because if they lose, their ass is on the line. You guys are playing like you have nothing to lose. You're playing like you're going to live 2,000 years, and you don't care if you're going to win or lose. The eights jam there, usually with 20, 25 big blinds, if you wrap up a big blind, a big blind and a half, that is awesome. That is really tough to do with short stacks. Sometimes you can do it for a few big blinds. And the pocket eights, when you jam there, if you have the guy covered, is good for a couple big blinds. It's a good play. End of story. Now, if you fold there, you're good for negative half a big blind. That is a 2.5 big blind difference. Was his question, could he three-bet fold? Was that it, Barry? He's question was, could he flat there or fold? If you flat there, what's the profit margin on that? Yeah, here we go, anybody ever look it up? You guys have these big old databases, you ever take a look at them? And if you don't have a database, have you ever looked at your buddy? I know you have one nerd buddy who has poker tracker or Hold'em Manager. Go, go ahead and do it one of these days. Pull up your filters, it's under quick filters on hold a manager. Take a look at 3-bet. Just click under quick filters, 3-bet. Take a look at how many big blinds you're making per 100. Get rid of that and then look at cold call. Tell me which one you should do. There's a lot of times you're making 20, 30 times the profit if you 3-bet. You can also limit certain hands. You can take out aces, kings, queens, jacks, tens. Uh, you can do certain stack sizes uh, just to make sure it's not just jams. And you can take a look, and it's still sometimes going to be eight times the profit margin. This is, uh, the funniest thing is when I hear people discuss, and Paul, you're forgiven. I assume you're new. And it's, uh, I, I assume you're new because most people just three bet there. And to your credit, Paul, at least you're thinking about these situations. This is the reason why I work with so many players. They'll ask these questions especially the new guys or the intermediate guys, they'll ask questions, whereas once a guy is a pro, quote-unquote, he has a fixed way of doing it. He, he knows everything, and if there's one guy who can't improve, if there's one guy who can't be taught anything, it's the guy who knows everything. So those guys are not going to ask these questions, and it's a good question. I'll tell you why, because this is the problem with most poker players these days. They go, I personally prefer, I don't care what you personally prefer. You might prefer not brushing your teeth in the morning. It doesn't make it a good idea. Tell me what's smarter, what's healthier, what's more intelligent. If we're trying to play this game for profit, let's start with this basis. We are trying to play the game for profit, yes or no? We are playing the game for profit. We are not playing for fun. If we are playing for profit we should see what the highest expected value is for the hand. The way we can do that, we can do it with all them resources, we can do it with Cardrunner's EV, or the quickest way you can do it is go over your entire database and see what doing each action has done for you. Look at your calls from the small blind. Look, go to your quick filters and put cold call, small blind. Take a look at your profit margin there. And ask yourself why you've never looked at it, okay? And ask yourself why it has taken so long for you to look into this. Ask yourself, do you really want to be good at this game? What other... And steal off my paper. Everything is free. Everything is free now. Holding manager costs $50. Playing micro stakes costs nothing. You're going to learn all of this for free. You're supposed to be keeping the form right now. You're not supposed to be making money two years in. Do doctors make money one year and seven months into their studies? Does anyone you know learn a great skill in less than four years? You guys are so quick to try to make money. You haven't learned the craft. You guys are thinking of what sunglasses you're going to wear when you show up to the table, what shirt you're going to wear, how cool you're going to look on TV, you haven't even worked on it. You're thinking about being on the PGA Tour. You haven't learned how to putt. Look at the average profit. It is going to skyrocket on the three bet there, and it's going to remain very stagnant on the call. And this is what you're going to see with a lot of poker coaches these days, which is I personally prefer this. I don't care what you do. So you won a tournament before? So has Jamie Gold. I don't care. Show me the evidence. Why do you think those geeky white guys tell seven-foot basketball players how to jump correctly on the jump shot? Is it because the five-foot-eleven guy can do a jump shot better than him? No, the guy has the analytics on his side. That's why they're on the sidelines. That's why they're advising that. But we do this thing where we hire, you know, oh, this guy's good. I've seen this guy dunk before. Oh, this guy's won a tournament. I feel... I personally prefer what I like to do here. What's it? Show me the evidence. I don't care about your opinion. It doesn't do anything for me. You know why I have so many clients is because I don't tell you what I personally like to do unless we're getting into an esoteric conversation, and then that's kind of fun. But I try to cut those conversations off very quickly because what I am telling you is all based on analytics, And it is all based on equity calculations. And if I can't clear it with these two devices, I don't teach you how to do it because then I don't have evidence. Everybody talks about the scientific process. Everybody's lecturing me about science. Oh, you can't say that because this science says this. Everything is cherry picked. Everything, everybody has a study that says anything they want. Hey, Hershey says that dark chocolate every day cures cancer and lengthens your penis by two inches. No, but then when it comes to your life, you do not look into anything. When it comes to poker, how many hours have you devoted to poker? How many years have you looked at the average profit? Ever, ever have you looked at it? Have you? Good luck to you.
1: This is a real Jekyll and Hyde podcast. Um,
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Barry, I'm going to come punch you. Anyway. Yeah.
1: Um, Okay. And next question is from Kevin. Um, Fasten your seatbelts, Kevin. (laughs) uh, (laughs) It's
2: all first names, by the way. We don't know who you are.
1: Yeah. Um, Hello. What's your guys' strategy for qualifying for PCA? I know it's one that Alex enjoys personally throughout the years. Also, it's one event that I've always really wanted to go to. I see that PokerStars are running some satellites for it, as usual. I'm a recreational player with a separate poker bankroll of around $4,500. What's the best approach and any tips for these satellites would be great as well. Thank you, Tom. Uh, what we're
2: going to do here... Okay, I can't do it. I can't i'm sorry yeah,
1: you're, you're you're running that one more than me on your small room uh i'm what? doing what <laughs> you're 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 dragging that one out more than me on how small
2: your room is <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i had to drag it out i had to do it one more time because you know when a guy gets like giggly in his ride home he just he's like i know the joke sucks but please hit it one more time please i'm in traffic right now come on hit him again and uh I, I forget this guy's name, though, seriously. What was it?
1: Um, I need to pull it back. Amy? So have I...
2: No, no, no. I think uh, Kevin. Kevin. Kevin, like I said. Okay, Kevin. Uh, Kevin, this is actually a really good question. Unfortunately, I can't make fun of you. Uh, I did write an article. You guys should check it out. Uh, I wrote it for Poker News Adv- Advice for Multi Table Satellites. I. Uh, Not big on the PCA this year, though. I'm not going to lie. I'm not big on PokerStars, period. I I think they've shown their true colors. I don't don't really... Unfortunately, they have great software, but I'm pretty sure one of these days that's not going to be the case. That's that's the thing I don't get, is everybody looks at PokerStars and goes like, God, this is like the evil empire, but they have such amazing software, and people... There hasn't been a corporation that goes like, let's... You know, let's do it ourselves, right? Let's, let's get it like that. But I, I have faith in you, America's Cardroom. You're gonna do it. And uh, America's Cardroom's software is pretty nice as well. Anywho, uh, the big thing to point out in these is a lot of times we do things to eke out value in regular tournaments that we shouldn't be doing in a multi-table set. So what you're gonna do is when you enter these multi-table stats, you go, okay, so how many packages are there? You take all the chips in the tournament, so the starting stack times all the players. Uh, you divide by, let's say, eight people get packages, so you'll see the average stack when everybody gets a package. You want to aim for about 75% of that. Until you get 75% of those chips, like it's a dogfight. You just go out there and get every chip you can. Don't be 24 players on out with... a third place stack thinking you're going to coast into a, uh, a seat. That's a great way to finish 11. Uh, get, get up to about 75% and try to, uh, tr- try, to, uh, I, you, I like to separate players between who's got a seat wrapped up and knows it and is not going to play and who's got a seat, uh, more or less wrapped up and is playing and I try to treat them differently. The guys who aren't playing, I'm just raising their big blind constantly. Uh, I, I find if you take a slightly more aggressive tone in these tournaments, you end up winning more packages than not. Uh, the other thing is, if a guy is doing that strategy, he's, uh, okay, I'm going to raise a few pots to stay ahead of it. Let's say he's got 45 big blinds and I've got 33 and he raises, and I have ace-queen suited. Now, many times, I would just three-bet and then call the jam, and let's say, but I would three-bet call the jam if I were trying to make my chip EV pretty high in order to win the tournament, because the lion's share of money in poker tournaments is in the first, second, and third spot. However... In this case, let's say he's more or less got a package wrapped up. I'm underneath the threshold. Well, I'm just going to jam on him if I'm planning to play for all of it. Because now he just went from, think of the mental shift this guy just went under. He just went from, yeah, I'm just coasting into a stack to, oh, Jesus. If I call here, I could, you know, my surefire trip to the Mahamas is gone. That t- That calling range gets really tight really fast. You have a great shot at folding Ace King offsuit there, for example, or say pocket eights, pocket nines, maybe even pocket tens. The ICM on those shoves are is crazy, are crazy. Sorry, excuse me. And uh, wait, let's see what else. I, I think the, I think that covers the big big things right there. Be sure to check out that article. It was on Poker News. Just type Alexander Fitzgerald, advice for multi-table satellites. It'll be the first thing that comes up. Good luck to you. Okay.
1: um, That was a real Jekyll and Hyde show, but I did enjoy it, Alex. (laughs) Um, Alex, how can people get in touch with you for coaching packages, webinars, and all your other bits and bobs you have for sale?
2: Speaking of people paying it forward, thank you to everybody who bought a webinar package during the sale. I was honestly uh, blown away by how many of you guys pay it forward. Uh, It it really does help. It's uh, still getting reestablished in the States and everything. So it it goes a long way. Uh, My family and I really appreciate it. Thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for letting me be myself and letting me do what I love to do for a living. Um, If you guys want to talk to me uh, about poker coaching – and you can request American football coach, as in the first question, or the normal person, human being, without a heart condition developing. In the second question, write me at alex at pokerheadrush.com. Uh, follow my blog at pokerheadrush.com and sign up for my newsletter by going to pokerheadrush.com. Oh, they found me. Back to Costa Rica. <laughs> Oh, you, you guys didn't even hear the sirens, okay. Po- I did. Yeah, we did. Oh, we did. you did? I okay. Did. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, all right. And then pokerheadrush.com, you can sign up for my newsletter. Uh, it's at the top right there. And, yeah, in that newsletter you get free content. Uh, I'm kind of out of content this week, so it's been a few days since I posted anything. But usually you get, uh, Barry can attest, you get three to five new articles, videos, podcasts per week if you sign up for oh, the yeah. newsletter. Yeah, good. way to go on the assist there, Barry. Good no, job.
1: No, I, I, well, I didn't want to just interrupt you as well. <laughs> no, they, they, they are excellent, and I do read them. I read every single one of them. They always filter their way into my um, inbox on email, or they pop up on Facebook, and I'll catch I, them at some point. I, and,
2: oh, and, and uh, check them. out my training videos at Tournament Poker Edge and follow my Twitter at the assassinato, and read my articles at America's card Room's blog. That's it.
1: Oh, okay. Um, keep your questions coming in for next week. Questions at One Dot com. Please do still email in. Um, he's only joking. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, that's it. If he does need a slap, I'll, I'll sort it out. Um, <laughs> please do keep them coming in questions at dot and Alex will a- answer them. Alex, thanks very much for taking the time today as ever. And we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Cheers.
0: Cheers. The OSS cubed is back with over $14 million in guaranteed prize pools from September 24th to October 22nd. This massive tournament series features three $1 million guaranteed tournaments. The first takes place on October 15th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, featuring a half-price buy-in of just $265. Just one week later, on October 22nd, we'll have two million-dollar tourneys the same day. One with a $540 buy-in and the Boss Main Event with a $2,100 buy-in. AmericasCardRoom.com